Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Hey, hey, everybody! Thank you to my latest Patreon subscribers, Emily F., Amanda, Hannah M., Jordana M., and thank you to my other patrons who raised their pledges, April, Kelsey, Elizabeth E., Susan F., Jenny L., Chaz H., Jenny N., Sarah D., Julia L., Laura V., and Bridget C. Oh my goodness! We are now at $838 per month, and we came so close to getting to my goal of $850 per month that I feel like this is a big big win. So thank you all so much to all of my subscribers for keeping this show up and running. I would not be able to continue to make this show without you. If you haven't yet joined the Patreon, you can still do that at patreon.com forward slash spermcast and you'll have access to all kinds of fun, exclusive stuff. If you hate Patreon, you can always support the show financially by Venmoing molly-hockey. And now for an update. When I left you last week, I had just gotten my nitrogen tank recharged and I was waiting patiently for ovulation. And I was feeling optimistic that I would ovulate at some point, that I hadn't already missed it or that I was going to skip it this cycle. Well, the tests kept reading negative for a couple more days. I was using those digital tests that only show you an empty circle, which means negative, or a happy face, which means positive. You know, that your LH is surging and that you'll ovulate 12 to 36 hours later. But when you eject those pee sticks from the digital reader, you can see the same control and test lines that you see on those simple cheap tests. So I was keeping an eye on those as well. On Tuesday night, even though my tests were still saying negative, I felt like the test line was getting a little bit darker. On Wednesday morning, voila, I saw my happy face. But when I took the stick out, I didn't think that the test line looked as dark as the control, so I had my questions. Was the surge really happening? A few hours later, I tested again, and when I popped out the stick, there is what I wanted to see. The test line was darker than the control line. But now I was confused. The plan was to inseminate 24 hours after my positive test. But was my positive test at 8.30 a.m. when I took the first one? Or was it at 12.30 p.m. when I took the second one? I called up Jacqueline, the certified nurse midwife who I had on the show a few weeks back. And she said to ignore the sticks altogether, that I I should only go by my first smiley face, a.k.a. my first positive reading. So that's what I did. The first positive reading was at 8.30 a.m., And so I decided I would do the insemination about 24, 26 hours later. I wasn't going to rush it the next morning. Now, don't forget, I was also taking my basal body temperature with OvuSense this whole time. And I was so relieved each morning when I woke up and I could see that my temperature had not gone up yet, which would, again, indicate that I had ovulated. 
Well, the next morning, 24 hours after my test, I, I looked at the temperature and the temperature had started to rise. It went from 96.88 on the morning of my positive test to 97.26 24 hours later. This was the steepest rise in temperature I'd see in my whole cycle. So this was real. This was no uh, anomaly. It was time to get going. I came downstairs where my folks were having coffee in their jammies and their robes and I said, it's time. So this is, a t this is the tank. This is the tank and I'm going to, I guess I don't need to pull it out of the box. I was going to pull it out of the box, but I don't need to. What did the woman do the other day? Well, she'd lift it off the top. Uh-huh. So I guess I'll show it to you, Papa. The tank came in a big box with the opening of the tank exposed, so I just left it in the box, but there was a zip tie holding the cap on, which made it impossible to get into. So many impediments to getting pregnant, this shouldn't be one of them. Right. <laughs> How about a mat knife? Do you have one handy? The mat knife worked. Ah, oh, the hardest part is now done. I'm opening the tank. Ah. Oh, we have smoke. That's good. Oh, yes. Where would he be? Still in there? Why did you say he? Then I carefully remove the hook that the vial is attached to. My, My God. There he is. Oh, oh, oh uh. looks just like you. <laughs> That's amazing. So now what? Thawing the vial. Please thaw the vial in an 86 to 99 water bath for 10 minutes. Place Kleenex or towel around the lid of the vial when opening it as pressure may be released. Handling the syringe, break the seal on the syringe by pulling back the plunger to 0.5 milliliters, then return to starting position with no air in syringe present. Once the vial is thawed, place the syringe directly into the vial and pull back the plunger to fill the syringe with the entire contents of the vial. Okay, so we prepared the water. We decided 99 was way too hot because that would make the sperm die. Potentially. So we kept it at around 90. Then we pulled the sperm back out of the tank. <laughs> Hello. Okay. What a mechanism. Hi, guy. I wonder hey. how far out this comes. Welcome to our house. Whoa. Whoa. It's getting cold. Your hands feel cold? I was wearing warm wool gloves with uh, garden gloves on top. Whoa. Then I put the bottom of the vial in the warm water, but only up to a certain point because you don't want it to get to the height of where the cap meets the vial because then the water could seep in and kill the sperm. Okay. That's it. Good. Ten minutes. Start the clock. How will you know when it's thawed? Because it'll be ten minutes. <laughs> then I gave my dad a lesson all about sperm. This is washed sperm, which means that there's no semen. It's taken all the semen away, which is where, you know, all the the protein and the, the, the juice, the sugars that carry the sperm. They've taken it all away and replaced it with a, probably a solution. Oh. It's been a while since I actually looked into sperm washing, so here's what the old internet says. Wikipedia, to be precise. Sperm washing is the process in which individual sperms are separated from the semen. Yes, we knew that. But sperm washing involves removing any mucus and non-modal sperm in the semen to improve the chances of fertilization and to extract certain disease-carrying material in the semen. Um, so it's just about 20 million sperm in... In okay. a, a small, small volume. After just a couple minutes, I could see that the sperm was 
pretty much thawed. And then I decided to tell my dad why the sperm needs to be at a lower temperature. I was just going to say the testicles are on the outside of the body because it keeps them cooler than regular body temperature. Right. But then when you, this might be TMI for you, but, but when you're, when the man is going to ejaculate, the balls get closer to the body to warm up the sperm. They do. To heat it up so that it's more active when it enters the body. You know that? I didn't. (laughs) Once the sperm is inside the vagina, the pH of the vagina is actually not, it's too acidic for the sperm to live longer than five to 10 minutes. So anything that doesn't make it through the cervix, through that barrier, dies anyway. So mom wants me to lie in bed for an hour. (laughs) Absolutely. Even though- As as Nana says, give that kid something to hold on to. Yeah. But if it doesn't make it into the cervix in five or ten minutes, it's gonna it's gonna die anyway. So there's no reason to lie in bed for longer than five or ten minutes, but I'm going to. Then I pulled the vial of sperm out of the warm tub and I asked my dad if he wanted to hold him. Yeah. Gentle. Don't drop him. It's a little baby Buchanan. Can you Buchanan. go a little further? Hi, Buchanan. He's smiling. Look, he's smiling. Buchanan, I love you. Where did you come up with that name? It just came, but it's a good name, right? Then I prepared the syringe. I'm going to draw back to break the seal, then push that out. Get rid of it. It said to wrap the top because there could be a... Ooh, it doesn't feel tight. Oh, my God, I hope we didn't lose any. Uh, you, uh, you didn't. Oh my god, why isn't it tight? I continued to unscrew the vial, then I put the tip of the syringe into the semen, then I began to draw the semen into the syringe. Yay. Actually, there's more than I thought there would be. It's as much as I can get out of that little thing. Can you get a pick? Sorry. Then I made a very sick and very immature joke, which I think is the same dumb joke I made after I did my first insemination with Zach. I was just going to put it in my mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> As a joke. I didn't do it, though. You were going to? As a joke. Oh. <laughs> that would have been insane. Is, uh, is it in there now? Yeah. I'm just trying to get the bubbles to the top. Yep, bubble going up. Oop, there she goes. Yeah, I'll 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 work on the rest on my own. Yeah. We're not gonna be there. No. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Molly, get to it. Okay. Great. Will take a long time. Have fun. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to sleep. I think because I woke up too early because I couldn't stop thinking about this. Yeah. So I might. Take a nap. Is there enough left for... <laughs> for what? <laughs> for you? For a second. For a second. For a second. A second no, hit? There's no. nothing left. It's just oh, okay. a, Look, that's it. And bye. Bye, Molly. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so that's how you make a baby, dear. I'll be darned. Was that I don't know why I was trying to torture my dad so much, but he was a real trooper. So then I went upstairs and I got down to business. 
Back when I was doing my inseminations last year, I would say it was best to try to have an orgasm after an insemination, but there was no way in hell I was going to attempt anything like that in my parents' home. So I listened to some chill music and I fell asleep. It was relatively easy, probably pointless, don't expect a miracle, but it definitely gave me some purpose and got me excited about trying to make a baby again. And now I wait. I've gotten pretty good at the two-week wait. My technique? Ignore it. There's no point in wondering. I'll test when I test. Maybe I'll know by the time I record the next episode, or maybe the one after that if I haven't tested yet. Of course, if you're a Patreon subscriber, I will tell you first. Oh, speaking of Patreon, the whole video of my parents and the tank and all of that stuff, that's on the Patreon at the $5 level. Okay, I think it's time to start our interview for this week. This is Jordana Malik. Actually, I didn't ask how to pronounce her last name. Maybe it's Molik. Maybe it's Malik. No, it's probably Molik. Okay. Anyway, we'd never met before, but we have a bunch of mutual friends, and she's been listening to the podcast for a while. She's also a producer and recently produced a movie that some of my friends wrote and another one of them co-produced. It's called Lovebirds, and we're going to hear all about it in just a little while. Anywho, she messaged me because we have some similarities in our stories. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, like, when I was... Just starting my journey, everybody was like, you need to listen to my friend Molly's podcast. <laughs> and like, you do you know Molly? Like everyone would be like, you know Molly, right? You know Molly. And I was in this phase at the beginning where I was like very, you know, like you, I feel like I have a lot of friends and my own community. And I was getting annoyed with people that were like, here's this one other single person that's like in comedy that also. I wouldn't listen to my you know, podcast if I heard it. I'd be pissed off. I'd be like, bitch, jealous. I was just like, I'm not ready for those things. And then like as things went, I changed, I switched and I was like, all information, all information. Oh, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I started listening and I binged like I, I you had already been doing it for like a yeah, year. Yeah. And so I binged and I almost started to not like emulate your journey, but I was like, maybe, maybe I'll interview people for myself. Maybe like I started with like the same thing. And I think yeah. a lot of start with being like, maybe I'll do this with a friend. Maybe I'll, you know, right. and it gets complicated and then you switch to. Yeah. Unknown yeah, that's, all, that's a step people could just decide to skip. Yeah. Those are smart yeah. people. Not that yeah. it was a bad choice to start for me. It was um, necessary for me to explore all of that to sort of get to know what was going on in men's heads. And I don't know. And, and my own head. Someone told me this when I made the switch over, like some of my friends that had like a lesbian couple and they mm -hmm. were like, you know, we went through that route too. And then we realized that we were doing all of this just to have like a cute birth story for oh, our kid. Yeah. They were like, and they have a kid that's great that they had with an unknown donor. Uh -huh. And they were like, it's not about like that matters so little once you get to the next phase of it. Yeah. Like, and you have many months of being pregnant or going through this process to think of whatever you want your cute birthing story to be. And it doesn't need to be like, this has been my friend for 20 years. And then I asked him, you know, like it just matters less. So I yeah. kind of took a while to get to that place. And yeah, then that's the thing. It just takes a while to get used to or to accept that uh, it's not going to be what you pictured. Right. Yeah. Every part of it. And Every I, part. you know, I have parents that have been together for almost 50 years and my Mine older too. brother and my little sister are both married with kids. And I, I always knew that 
I was going to have kids later. Like I never wanted, I knew I've been very career driven Mm -hmm. my whole life and I've never been a person that's felt lonely because I have so many friends and such a great community. So I always knew that it was going to be not like I'm 30 and I'm having kids. I always knew it was going to be close to 40 in some ways, but I think you still take, it takes a while to be like, oh, now I'm single and I'm, I have to like make a decision to do this. And it's weird to date all those things. Like, yeah. it's, what do I tell people? Do I yeah. tell people on the first, like you make the switch from being like, whatever, I don't need to have kids right now to <sighs> being like, um, I'm going to do this really soon. And that's not sexy on a first date at a bar and you know, all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait, I want to start back when you said you froze your eggs when you were 35. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you're about to be 40, you know, in a couple weeks 40. in quarantine. In quarantine. Are and you I solo the, quarantine? I'm so over quarantine. Oh, I I'm meant like, I said solo, but so oh, over. Solo. I'm solo quarantine, but I have a very large front yard that mm-hmm. you don't need to um, touch anything to get. Like you can get to it just from the street. Mm-hmm. So I am solo quarantine, but I'm very, I found a way to be very social, social distancing. Yeah. So yeah. I feel lucky. I have like friends that come over a lot and sometimes people just work in my yard and Ugh. I have rules where it's like one family unit at a time and, <laughs> and you have to bring your own drink or food. Oh, and, that's so cool. You know, where do you live? I live in Silver Lake. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. when I come back, can I hang out in your yard? Yeah, you can okay. come to my yard. Yeah, <laughs> bring a picnic blanket. I just got a big projector and a big screen because I'm going to throw um, myself a Lovebirds premiere. Oh, my gosh. Can we talk about it's- Lovebirds for a second? Yes. Okay, yes. tell my listeners what Lovebirds is. Lovebirds is a movie that is a comedy with Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae. And it comes out on Netflix on May 22nd. The day and- before your birthday. Day before my birthday, and maybe the day that I'm doing a retrieval. Unbelievable! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! (laughs) We'll see. I don't know if I'm there yet, but we'll see. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And my my producing partner, I have a company with Michael Showalter who um, directed it. Oh, awesome! I didn't Um, know that. Yeah, yeah. We're producing partners. We have a company called Semi Formal Productions. Okay. And yeah, it was supposed to come out in. Theaters everywhere on April 3rd, and it was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest. Oh, my God. And then the world changed. And it was so weird because you would drive around the city, and there were these billboards and posters that said, coming soon to a theater near you April 3rd. And it just, like, then it became April 4th and April 5th. It was so strange. But we're very lucky that we have, like, what I like to call the best-case scenario in a worst-case scenario, which Mm -hmm. is, like, a great home in Netflix and lots of people will get to see it and it's very fun. And so, awesome. yeah. So, okay. You're going to throw a screening for yourself for, for your myself. birthday. Will you invite anybody to sit six feet I'm away? Invite, like, well, I'm waiting to see what things look like in a couple of weeks. You know, right. like, can I invite four people to my mm. yard? Can I invite seven people? Right. It's a big yard, so we can. No one needs to touch each other. But I'm just, or do I do screenings all throughout my birthday weekend and just right. be completely self promotion? Oh no, I'm not going to do that. But I, I'm going to figure it out. No, I you just, should. What's wrong? There's nothing wrong with self promotion. 
Yeah, no, that's true. There isn't. <laughs> I just figured I would like find a reason to put on clothes and yes. um, sit in my yard with that's a couple great. of friends and watch my movie. Yeah. That's great. And so yeah. anybody can find it on Netflix on mm-hmm. May 22nd. May 22nd. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. So yeah. then let's start back when you were 34, 35. How did you decide to freeze your eggs? Like I said, I kind of always knew that I wanted kids at some point. And I was like never really dating the right guys because I wasn't ever dating to be, you know, like obsessively want to like settle down or anything like that. And so I asked my parents for my 35th birthday if they would help me freeze my eggs. And I knew that it was just, I just did it because I wanted the option. I Mm -hmm. didn't want to think about I was kind of like started, like I had made this movie, Hello, My Name is Doris. And I knew it was kind of really like my career was really starting to flourish as Mm -hmm. a producer. So I froze my eggs and it was really, I didn't have, I had a couple of friends that that same year maybe had done it, but I didn't know a lot of people that did it. I was going to say, I don't think it was really in the zeitgeist back then. No. When I did it, it was like, it felt a little like. I'm doing something kind of new agey. Yeah, yeah. You, you, been, it, you could do it long ago, but yeah, it wasn't something totally. everyone was doing. No, I had a friend who had just done it like a few months before me, and she definitely helped guide me through a little bit. But yeah, I just, and I went to the same doctor as her, you know, and I didn't even research other people at that time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I was getting into. And I was, I was lucky. I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of eggs that froze and I felt really comforted. I got, I think I got 19. Oh yes. 22 that they got. Yeah. It was like a good number. Yeah. And I responded, you know, well to it. I had a little hyperstimulation just because I had a a lot of follicles, Uh but, but it was really just for me, some of it was about knowing about my fertility. Like I, as you know, I said, I kind of had a traditional upbringing and I, I, no one in my family was adopted and I wanted to, if that was going to be my journey, I knew I needed some time to wrap my head around oh, it. Yeah. So I kind of just like wanted information and I was really nervous and it ended up working out, but it ended up working out. But like many months weren't the right month. Cause I was like in production or had right. a film festival or had a cyst or like, mm-hmm. so, like something. So I, I knew it wasn't like, so easy and I can just do this whenever I want to do it. And yeah. so, you know, so I did that then. And, um, and cause my goal was to do it before I turned 35 and like in the process, I turned 35 much as like is happening right now with like the goal of doing it before 40. And it's like the process. We don't know about that next goal yet. <laughs> yeah. We don't know about the next goal yet. So yeah, I froze my eggs. I like a couple months after had met my ex-boyfriend, at the like my boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. who I was with for a couple of years. And he was a little bit older than me and had a son. And after we'd been dating for a little while was like, he always knew, he knew I froze my eggs and knew I wanted kids. And I, this is like not an, an angry thing at all, but it was like, he was like, I don't think I can do this again. Ugh. And so we broke up. And I think for me, I was like, I... I, it was very sad, but I also was like, this isn't what's, this isn't the way it's going to go. And this isn't what's meant to be. And also I didn't feel a lot of my friends were like, don't you feel like you wasted time? Like you want to be, and I wasn't like 
during the time we were together, I didn't, I wasn't ready to have a baby yet. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like conversation that, you know, was like so clear every single day. It was just something that I eventually wanted and kind of had to make the decision of that. This can't, you know, that I couldn't stay in a relationship that wasn't going to go there. Did you specifically break it off because of that reason? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, smart. I mean, great. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, looking back, there's, it wouldn't have been right for many other reasons. Good for you. And how old were you? I must've been like 37 and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, I gave myself, I'm a very goal oriented and like productive person. Mm -hmm. So the second that we, we like broke up, I was like, okay, I need to like, I have to be single again. So I need to like, you know, lose the happy weight that I gained in this relationship. (laughs) I like go on runs. I need to be healthy. I need to spend like three months taking care of myself before I like can go back on like the apps and get do the dating thing again. And I said I was going to give myself a year before I made decisions on baby stuff. Yes. And then I think probably when I turned like 38, sometime around there, maybe a year and a half or so ago, I was like, I... I want to do this soon. And I had, you know. But at this time, were you thinking you were going to meet a guy and do this soon or? Yeah. I mean, I think that I kind of gave myself the year being like, we'll see what happens. And, And I think I still had it in the back of my brain that like maybe that was something. But I knew that keeping both things in my brain was not gonna like I was gonna have to make a decision. Right. And not just be like, well, maybe I'll wait a few more months and keep keep going on like two dates with each person that I'm not feeling chemistry with and right. like trying to make it work or, yeah. you know, or feeling guilty that I'm attracted to someone that's like, doesn't ever want kids or, right. you know, all these things. I'm like, I, this isn't falling into my lap. And I'm a person that's like very comfortable single. So I wasn't, again, it was the same thing of like, I want to meet the right person, but when maybe that's supposed to happen after I have, I start my family. And so Mm-hmm. So then I started thinking about doing it myself and I went back to the doctor to like have the, make a fertility plan and had found out that I, and I knew that there was something wrong, but I had this fibroid in a lot of women have fibroids. It's like, I think it's something like 80% of women wow. in their, like, yeah, in there. And it might, again, you can, you should check. I, on should, the, I haven't like, done a bloop in a long yeah, time. Do a little one I don't of think I did things. any last week. Okay. According to Medscape, uterine fibroids, myomas or leomyomas are benign monoclonal tumors of the smooth muscle cells found in the human uterus. And then there's this whole long study that I would never be able to summarize for you. But at the very end of it, it, there's something that says tweetable abstract. And it says, uterine fibroids occur in about 70% of women. Black race and 11 other factors affect uterine fibroid risk. Interesting. Yeah, but it's a high percentage of women that are in childbearing years, especially in your 30s, that have fibroids, but most of them, like you wouldn't even know. They can be anywhere. And this one just happened to be in that place that makes it so that, like, I wouldn't have been able to implant and then also probably carry a child to term unless I had to move. And how uh, big was it? Is the size of a softball, which is like you're walking around, not even, you know, I knew because I 
I had really bad, heavy periods, which was what mine caused. Some people's caused like pain or like bladder things. And mine was just like, I had this really heavy period that like, I felt like no one could understand because I was, it it would ruin my life. I couldn't sit through a screening or like a meeting and, um, that they recommended that I get it out if I wanted to do that. So I made every, you know, I just like went straight. It was like another goal. And I also am very glass half full. So in my brain, I was like, okay, this is going to set me back a few months, but maybe it's because I'm supposed to be my person or maybe like Mm. this work thing should be happening now and it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So, well, you know, I have to say, you know, what could have happened if you'd stayed with fella and he wanted to have a kid, you guys could have tried to have a baby for a year and you might not have gotten pregnant. It's true. It's totally true. So yeah, this fact that you decided to go the single mother route is, is the reason that you found that fibroid. So you've saved time. That's true. By doing that. That's you. Your class is like not even half full. It's like, (laughs) Three quarters of the way. Oh, it runneth over, girl. It runneth (laughs) over. (laughs) Exactly. So. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So in October, I had just like laparoscopically it removed. And it's like as like it wasn't a fun, totally fun surgery, but I you heal really fast. Uh. Everything is like totally fine, like periods all of a sudden are like a normal person's and it's like a great, great for that reason too. And they say after you do it, you have to have, um, you have to have a kid via C-section after. So there were like little things along the way, which I'm sure in your journey that you're just like very quickly have to mourn. Like not that I'm the daughter of a doctor. Like my dad's a retired surgeon. I was like, not going to have a natural childbirth. I'm sure at the end, but I wanted like the image of having like being a California like bohemian that has of a course. natural childbirth and like you know my friends who work at Moon Juice was going to be my doula and it was going <laughs> to be like this whole thing and very quickly you're like oh never yeah. mind I'm, I'm like having to get cut open that's whatever it's fine but yeah. for a moment it was like oh, oh okay like this that's so crazy and I think so, I'm sorry to interrupt but I, I think that that moment of or that the word that you used mourn I think we've talked yeah. about it on the podcast before but like yeah it's all these little things that you kind of have to mourn and let go and that's not it's Absolutely. not the way it's gonna be yeah <sighs> true and you like all the things like the not traditional yeah. way of having a family the like you know having to take hormone, like just all those things. So that happened and I had the surgery and then afterwards you have to like, it's debatable, but gynecologists usually say to wait like up to six months for your uterus to heal. But the fertility doctors say like two to three months because Mm -hmm. they're more worried about the eggs aging and the fertility doctors more worried about your uterus rupturing if you do get pregnant. So, Oh my God. (laughs) So after like, a, you know, I don't know, this was October. So then I think I waited until the new year in January. 
And then I went to go see Dr. Chung. I switched doctors. Oh, that's when Um, you switched? I switched. Yeah, I switched to her like in as soon as I was healing. And What made you switch? Why did I switch? Yeah, what made you switch? I was frustrated with the like there was some communication with the fibroid situation and and my other doctor there were just some like I felt like I was getting charged for every phone call and that I like didn't get the information for months like for an extra month and a lot of time was wasted for something that you're spending so much money out of pocket to yeah. do yeah 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 so I just I had enough friends that went to Dr. Chung and they were all like just try her. She's great. She's She's great. So lovely. So I went to Dr. Chung. I think it was in January. Mm -hmm. We made a a plan and the plan was to do IUIs. Like she wanted me to do three of them before doing anything else. Because as she said, we have no reason to believe that you're not fertile. Like my AMH is really good. My levels of hormones are all really good. I have a lot of follicles. So she was like, we should just do IUIs. There's no reason that you wouldn't get pregnant that way. It's less invasive. And a lot of friends that I talked to had gone through a lot of IUIs and were like, no, you should just do IVF. It's Mm -hmm. like, it will save you time. And then you know that you're implanting a healthy embryo. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I did think about as a single woman, like, do I want to go through numerous miscarriages alone? Like without, like with me being the person that cares the most about this, like, is that going to be hard? So, and, and I want a girl, like there were like things that I would, maybe I'll do it. Like maybe I'll just do IVF and just know. But I, I, and I talked to Dr. Chung about it and she's like, I still think that this is, there's no reason to put your body through that. If you, you know, like let us at least try IUI. And so I was like, okay, I will try in March and I'll try in April and then maybe I'll take May off or maybe I'll do May, but we'll see. And then by June, I'll do IVF. And she had checked me and saw that like my uterus, everything looked good. I was all healed. It was like good to go whenever I was ready to go. I just had to still figure out the sperm situation, which Mm. I hadn't yet decided if I was like a friend or anything like that. And then I did have some conversations with like close guy friends and it kind of came down to being like, none of these guys are really, they're amazing and they all love me and none of them are going to be okay. Like not actually being the father, like if they, you know, like if they actually through it, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't just, you know, do that. And I'd rather have these like 10 guys as great godfathers to my kid than be in a situation where it ever gets complicated with that. So I eventually got there and then I like was lucky enough to have my Sundance. I was um, a mentor for the Sundance lab and my mentee's girlfriend's stepmother runs the California cryobank. Wow. Crazy, crazy, weird connection. So she put me in touch with this woman who was like the most amazing and she like talked me through like for an hour and a half on a Sunday on the phone, just like what everything looks like. And my whole thing was that I was so scared that my kid would have so many siblings. And like (laughs) science says that like you're attracted to people that look like you. And I'm like, what if my kid falls in love with their half sibling? Like I just went there. I just would spin out on it and had like luckily several friends that had gone through having donors that I just 
got there eventually. I had like a few friends. What did over. she say about the amount of half siblings? She said that they do that they do do up to like twenty families, and yeah. like you just have to be at peace with it, and you can like get all the information you want. And I had friends that were like, you don't, I just was like, I have a great community and I'm not sure if I want, no offense to people that do this because I'm sure it's magical and I might change my mind when I get to this place. But I just like the idea of like having like barbecues with like things <laughs> and all their families, it just like sounded sad to me. I just couldn't <laughs> get there. And I was like, I want to do I, that. I totally want to do that. Totally. And I bet I, I but, bet I, but, but I worry yeah. that I'm not going to like any of the other parents. Yeah, I know. And it's like, in a, I just like wasn't ready for it. It's like weird. What if their kids are like better looking than my kid? And I'm like, hmm, this is weird. Like I just too, it just felt too weird at the time. And I had like friends that were like, you can be a part of that or you can not. It's not a big deal. And granted, most of my friends that were like lesbians that were having these conversations with me. So I was like, well, it's a little bit different because your kid still has two parents and like, there's less questions. Like, Mm -hmm. because it's like, of course you, you did this and you've been prepared to do this for a long time. And Mm -hmm. I spent many years knowing this traditional way Mm -hmm. and have to change everything in my brain. So it was like, I'm not, I didn't see this happening. I have to prepare myself mentally And so I had, like, a few friends over. We, like, smoked some pot and drank (laughs) some wine. And, like, and so they helped me. And I picked a donor and I just, like, never – I was, like, I never want to think about it or talk about it again. It's fine. (laughs) So I did that. And, by the way, I'm really glad I did it when I did because I was helping another friend who was also needing to pick a donor. And there's – so few, like everybody's low emissions because no one can donate right now. Yeah, yeah. There's like a lot of, it's kind of slim pickings, like until this lifts, you know. It's very true. Oh, yeah. I know, which I never thought of, but until I looked with a friend. But um, so, yeah. So then I was getting ready to start in March. I had been in production on a pilot in Las Vegas like at the beginning of March and I was supposed to, you know, I, I usually get my period like around the like 12th or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, that's going to be the first time that I try. We'll be like end of March and my whole family was coming to visit any, like there was just a lot of things that Mm -hmm. like do South by and then I would be back and I thought it could time right. Yeah. And I, brother who's a professor of innovation and entrepreneurship at Wharton he's very smart wow he was starting to like help epidemiologists and infectious disease doctors like gather information on COVID and like create a database so Mm -hmm. that they could start like he studies trends and in data and stuff so he had started he had called me before I left for Vegas and my sister and he was like, Hey, there's this thing and it's real. Get toilet paper was basically like what he said. Wow. Like, for, you know, emergency. And I'm never great at having like an emergency food box because I like eat the granola bars and drink the water when I run yeah, out yeah, of yeah. food. So I was like, How am I gonna even prepare for this? So he had mentioned it and he had told me and then when I got back from on my flight back from shooting in Vegas more people were starting to wear masks. Like it was starting to like be something people were talking about. And then it felt like it was so fast. And 
So I got my period and I called the fertility doctor's office and I was like feeling really mixed. And my brother was like, I think you should wait. I think you should just wait a couple of months. Like one of the biggest concerns is that the hospitals are going to become overwhelmed. You, if you were to have a atopic pregnancy or need something medically assisted, why are you going to choose to put yourself in a compromised immune system during this time? And so I called and I asked the nurse and they're like, no, we're still, you know, we'll make an appointment for the morning, which I did because I wasn't sure what I was going to do yet. And I asked the nurse and she's like, that's your decision. We're still up and running. And then like two days later, it just, everything kind of shut down. So I didn't end up doing it. Did you have your ultrasound? I ended up not going in. Like I canceled that morning because I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to do this this month. I'm just going to wait. And I didn't want to like pay for an ultrasound and then not do it. And then I like did the stuff everybody did, which is like, you know, I had already, when this whole thing started at the beginning, it felt really personal. Like I was, everyone was still living their lives. And I was like, my movie premiere is not like, and like, this is horrible. My product, I was supposed to make another, this other pilot for Showtime. I was like, my production's going to get pushed. Like this is all, you know, it was all very personal and not as much about the world yet in my eyes. And then it quickly shifted to like, oh my God, this is so much more horrible. I'm like looking at this from a privileged place. I just need to be calm and do what I'm supposed to do. And, um, and so I got there. And so for a couple of months, I was like, kind of at peace. Like I was like, this is what it's going to be. And then like you, I started just at the beginning of the month, I was like, I need, maybe I'm going to do a home insemination. Like how mm-hmm. long is this going to be? I was kind of angry about just the fact that like, if I was quarantined, like I had literally don't have access to sperm right now. Like I can't, like, I can't date someone and just it's try not to get fair. up. I can't <laughs> like, you know, I was like, someone come quarantine in my house, something like there was nothing that I could do. Yeah. So I was like, I'll, maybe I'll try that. And so that's when I emailed Dr. Chung. And this was like last week. Um, it's funny because that's I when I emailed her, her too, saying yeah. that I was going to do it. Yes. I emailed her and asked her and she emailed me back right away because she's amazing. And she's she was so like, good at email. Oh my God, she's so good. And she was like, hey, can I give you a call like in like an hour? I think we should just discuss this. So she called me and she basically said, that and I'm sure you know most of this stuff. She was like, "No, well, I'm curious, actually." Yeah, she was like, "I there's there's about a three to five percent chance that you'll get pregnant through IUI," mm-hmm. and she was like, "A lot of women are calling me about this. I totally <laughs> understand that this is like you feel really helpless." Um, she said, "I think if you want to do it, you can do it, but I I don't." think it's going to give us any information about your fertility. Like I wouldn't count it like how we were going to do three IUIs. Like she's like, I wouldn't count if you, if it doesn't work, you can't say like that you're not still extremely fertile. It's like you, that's such a small chance. So she was like, but if it makes you feel better to do it, you can do it. And then she said, what I would recommend for you if you are trying, you know, frustrated and want to move forward is freezing embryos. What she said to me is that, like, she doesn't know when the ASRM is going to lift this because the main reason that it's existing is because there's not a lot of information about 
first trimester um, fetuses and what this virus does to them. So she was saying that, you know, we're seeing it's looking like pregnant women. They have not much more of a higher risk than anyone else of COVID. And the babies that are born are seeming healthy and unaffected by this. But that's this is so new that all of those women were pregnant in their third. They were in their third trimester. So the organs, everything was cooked, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was all developed. So she's not sure if they're going to need to wait for, you know, people to get further along and have that we're in the first trimester before they lift this for IUIs and transfers or not. And so she's like, I just can't tell you if this is going to be able to happen this summer or if it could be longer. We just don't know what's going to happen. And she's like, so I would recommend this way. If it takes a long time, you have these embryos and they'll hopefully always be in their 30s. (laughs) Well, (laughs) right my 40s. Right. Um, So she's like, if you, you know, no pressure, but that is an option for you. And so I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And, you know, I went to see her last week and she looked during my luteal cycle and she was like, everything looks really good. Um, You know, she saw like 26 follicles, like a lot of follicles. Mm -hmm. And she was like, that is a lot of follicles. Yeah. Like it looked good, but it's like that whole thing of like, I know I have a lot of follicles. I know my AMH is good, but those eggs are getting older and older. So who knows what, Mm -hmm. you know, how healthy they are. Um, so I started estrogen, like the estrogen patches three days ago, um, when I saw her and then I'll see, you know, when I get my period, I'll hopefully be able to just start and my hope is that and I sorry for my birthday, but we'll see. Say that again. Your hope well, is well, like looking like my transfer will be like oh right around my birthday. Right. So I'm no, not transfer retrieval. I mean, not my transfer. My retrieval. My retrieval. Yeah. Transfer. Yeah. Who knows when that? Who will knows? Be. Who knows? Um, and also, they're not doing IUIs at the clinic right now. Correct. Correct. Are they not doing transfers? As far as you know, they're not they're- doing transfers or IUIs. So they're doing. So there's kind of no point for me to come home for that reason, right? I mean, again, it could, it could be change next month that they are, um, and that's the other thing too is that I do believe that there's like if we leave our houses too much and start partying again, there's going to be a spike. For and sure. so there is a part of me too that was like a lot of my friends were like, "Why do you want to do this? You know, wait till next month so you can at least." enjoy your birthday and be able to drink and like all those things. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, what well, I just, I'm, I know that I can't control what's going on in the world. And mm-hmm. so if there's like a month that this is going to work both for my body and for the pandemic, I feel like <laughs> I just need to jump on it. So yeah. 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 Well, this is great. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Again, just like the movie premiere, I'm like, I guess it's the best case scenario and a worst case scenario. You know, it's none of it's ideal. It feels really weird to be doing this without even knowing that I need to, you know, with like knowing that like if I were, if I were, you had sperm on tap. Yeah. You wouldn't, you don't know. Yeah. I just don't know, but But it'll be nice healthy embryos to know that they're there and that that's what, you know, I'm implanting and I'm sure there'll be a lot of comfort in those yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. I wonder if I should do another retrieval. 
Okay, so I emailed Dr. Chung because I really need to start thinking about this more seriously. I said, hi, Dr. Chung. I just wanted to give you an update and ask your opinion on my next steps. I finally ovulated and the insemination was low-key and easy. I'm now taking the endometrin nightly. Oh, listeners, I forgot to tell you, I have leftover endometrin from last summer, and that's progesterone, and so I've started taking that. She gave me the okay on that. Anyway, okay, so regarding my next cycle, you said to call on the first day of my next period to find out if the clinic is doing transfers, but I'm in New York and trying to figure out when to come back to LA. If you're not doing transfers, I might not rush, but if you are, I would gladly come back to begin my transfer cycle. Do you have any inkling of when transfers will be starting again? I interviewed Jordana Malik on my podcast, and she let me know her plan to start a retrieval. I can't afford to do that right now, but if I push off my transfer and have no choice but to do IVF again, with credit cards, my eggs will be that much older. Does that bump my case up in terms of priority? Just so you know where I stand with everything, if I could do IVF or just do a retrieval right now, that would be my preference. And if my two frozen embryos don't work, I will try to figure out a way to pay for a retrieval rather than thawing the rest of my frozen eggs. Let me know what you think and if you have any thoughts on when transfers will start again. Thank you. And of course, she wrote me back. Hi, Molly. I'm glad to hear your insemination was low-key and easy. That's so great that you interviewed Jordana. I love her. Thanks for checking in about timing of transfers. It was just recently decided that that we will be resuming embryo transfers in June. So if you're not pregnant from this insemination, we could start the process with your next period. Remember that I would need to see you on day two of your period for a baseline ultrasound. If possible, I would love for you to come back from New York sooner than later to allow for some quarantining in L.A. after the flight. There is still a lot of concern about allowing patients who have recently traveled by airplane into the office. The typical recommended quarantine after travel is 14 days. So then I wrote back to her and I wrote, oh my God, of course you don't want to see people right after they get off a plane. Hmm, lots to think about, but so good to hear about transfers. I'll mull it over and figure it out ASAP. Then I asked her this question. I said, if I continued endometrin a week beyond my expected cycle start, would that delay my expected cycle and buy me some time? Or would that be bad for my health? Is birth control an option? And, crazy thought, if I drove an RV across the country and had no contact with the outside world except for gas stations while wearing gloves and a mask, would you need me to quarantine? I love driving cross-country, and my parents keep trying to convince me to do that that instead of flying, but I didn't actually consider this because I didn't think I'd have time. But maybe driving for three days saves me two weeks of quarantining time. She got back to that. She said, The endometrin may delay the start of your period by a few days, but it would come eventually. Birth control pills would be an option to keep your ovaries on pause until you could get back to L.A. and quarantine for a bit. Neither of these options would be bad for your health, and neither would impact your chance of a successful FET, fetal embryo transfer, or no, frozen embryo transfer. As for driving across the country, it's such a cool and crazy idea. I suppose that would be less risky in terms of COVID-19 exposure, so maybe it's an option to consider, but the mom in me worries about you traveling cross-country by yourself. Then I just got back to her and told her I'd think about it, and of course not to worry about me. I love driving (laughs) cross-country. Anyway, so yeah, I've got to think about it. Last night, my dad said, Molly, please don't fly because he read some article about it. So I told him I would put all of my energy into it on Tuesday after editing this podcast. So I'll figure it out. Wait, and so you have those eggs as well, those yeah. eggs that are so frozen. Those and those are your backups as like I was doing. Yes. Okay. Yes. So those are my backups. Those are for a potential second kid. Those are for if I meet a partner and decide I want to do this with them. 
down the road. Like they're for right now, they're backups. My mom, when I called my mom and was like talking her through this, she was so, she's just worried. You know, she's like, I'm no one's there. Like I can't be with you. And and they weren't here when I did it the first time. So it's okay. But now they know more. And so she was like, I thought that you were just going to use what the eggs that you, that we froze for you for your birthday when you were 35, you know? And I was like, no, that's the backup backup. And at this point too, like, I just, have so many friends that have had all these scenarios that have gone wrong that I just know that even though right now all my numbers are good and I have a lot of follicles that that just might not mean anything and it seems like I just want to keep as much backed up as possible yeah that's what it is it's I think it's hard for other people to understand but like yeah. I really had a hard time sawing half and I know I didn't I know. want to do it. Glad I, know. I did. Totally. And I if guess. I need to do that, I'll do that and it'll be okay. You know, it's like, I think it's that whole thing of like mourning all the different things and every step and it's okay. Like yeah. everything was not what you initially planned. And I think, you know, I've watched so many friends that are really strong, like accept each thing as they come and be open to things that I'm like, I don't know if I could do that, but we mm-hmm. could do that. You'll be fine. You know, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I know that personally, I know that each step, it's it's always so hard in it, but yeah. uh, but after I get there, I, I, my thought, you know what it is and I can't explain it, so I'm just going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get it. I do. I get it. It's yeah. hard. And it's so hard because like even though our journeys are similar in some ways like everyone's is a little bit different and you're you have to be so careful because there's such a tricky thing with sensitivity like I have other friends that have to do are trying to get an embryo donated to them and like it was a long process for them to get there and like you just learn about being sensitive in a way that like you never think about before with this like you just it's all those things like people talk about Mother's Day and that like all I've ever thought about is that I just celebrate my mom. I like send her flowers and yeah. and then it becomes a thing where you're like there's people that are mourning their mother's loss. There's people that are mourning not being able to be a mother. There's people, yeah. you know, like, and so I think when you go through something like this, you just like it's almost overwhelming of like the sensitivity that you need to have for other people that you yeah. didn't and think about because until you go through it, you know, even when I told all my friends that I was going to probably do IVF this month of like my 40th birthday and they're all of their initial reactions were like, yay, like congratulations. And I'm like, no, I'm really upset. Like I'm really, (laughs) don't congratulate me. This is just, this sucks. Like we're in a (laughs) pandemic and I like want to get pregnant and I can't even try. Like it's horrible. Oh, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. The other side of it is feeling bad for the people that don't understand what you're going through or trying to um, control their reactions. Right. Totally. totally. And people being excited for you, you have to be like, no, sorry, that's not how I want you to feel. You need to be chill. For me, it's like you need to be chill because I'm trying to stay chill. So calm the fuck down. It's totally. I'm not going to get pregnant from this. Uh, we're not going to talk about baby names and due dates if this works. I know. It's so true. Like you're like, you don't have all the information that I have, but like, I can't be frustrated that you don't have the information. Yeah, it's not so their I mean, fault. Yeah. They're yeah. trying. No, I know they're trying so hard. Everyone's yeah. trying really hard. Yeah. 
Well, I'm happy for you that you are beginning this really your first attempt at making embryos. I think that's I I think you're allowed to be excited for that. Yeah. Even though I get that it's not ideal. Totally totally not ideal. I mean, it's like I think that there's the other little part of it, which is just that like I haven't been sleeping because of the Mm. estrogen and like it's only gonna get like I've been really healthy trying to like be like I'm gonna have a prison bod during this like pandemic (laughs) like I'm like exercising all the time and I like did a whole 30 and I'm like but simultaneously like gonna be shooting myself up with hormones that make you feel bloated and horrible like usually I get obsessive about feeling good on my birthday every year so I'm like I do a whole 30 before or I like run a marathon like I'm very that I'm like I need to make myself feel good and now I'm like I'm really choosing to make myself feel as miserable as possible, (laughs) you know, adding, leading up to 40. But my thoughts are that like, if I can make the end of my thirties bad enough, like 40 is going to feel awesome. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere to go, but up. Wait. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But up is difficult. (laughs) Right. So I don't know why they say that. It's like the metaphor of like being on the floor at like rock bottom. There you go. Like it only gets, it can only get better. Right. Right. There you go. Better. Yes. It's It's not an uphill battle. (laughs) That's something else. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's not an uphill battle. Well, are you, so are you going to be doing? uh, I did an insemination. You did it. Yesterday. You did it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Congrats. Were you ovulating? I know I listened. I was. To yeah. Okay. Okay. I was. I don't know okay. if the timing was absolutely perfect, but did the best I could. And, yeah. You know, not having. I don't have high expectations at all. But yeah. It's twelve fourteen. I mean nine fourteen. So you have to go. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're going to see Doctor Chung. I I'm actually just going to get like stuff notarized there. Okay, so I'm not seeing Dr. Chang today unless okay. I like see her. It's very weird. Just be prepared. It's like you got your temperature taken, you have to wear a mask, all the it was it was my first real outing. Like Good, I well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So it's it's very it's very safe, but it feels weird because you're like alone and they put you right into the room and all that stuff. So Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, have fun getting your stuff notarized then. Oh, thank you so much. And when you do see Dr. Chung, fun. send my love. I will. I will. I told her that I'd heard her on your podcast. Oh. Um, I'm so glad I got to, we got to do this. Me and when too. you're back, we should, we can become friends too. Yeah. And I've got a big backyard too. So you can visit oh, my backyard. Good. Too. <laughs> we'll do yard hangs. Okay. Keep me posted on when you decide to come back and if you have any questions. I about- will. And let me, and let me know about what happens with you and the, and the embryo freezing. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be excited to hear about that. And good luck with the, um, well, yeah, I mean, with the online premiere of Lovebirds. Yeah. So Netflix, Lovebirds, May 22nd. Yeah. Everybody watch it. I'm so excited yes. to see it. I'm excited for you to see it. Thank the trailer you. is awesome. It's so, it's really fun. I think it'll be a fun, I think it's, it's a, a really fun. It's a fun quarantine flick. It's a great quarantine flick. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And Kumail <laughs> and Issa are like, they're so good together. It's awesome. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Jordana. It was thank so nice you meeting all. you. And thank you so much for listening and being a Patreon subscriber. Okay, yeah. we got to go. We got to go. Okay. Thank okay. you so Bye. much. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
That's it, everybody. Lots and lots to think about not including the two-week wait, which, like I said earlier, I'm not thinking about. But that may change as we get closer to day 10, or 11, or 12, or 13, or 14. No, I'm really not going to think about it. But whatever you do, don't message me or text me or call me and ask if I have any news. You'll just remind me about it. So, tomorrow I'll put some major thought into the when and how of my New York to L.A. travel. Ugh, I don't want to leave my wonderful, loving parents. What if they need me? And I also don't want to be away from my L.A. home anymore, feeling like I'm not going after my dreams, even though there's not much I could be doing if I was there anyway. Oh, boy. Well, we'll just see what happens. Thank you so much, Mom and Dad, for helping me thaw my sperm and not being weird about it. Thank you so much, Jordana, for being my guest. And thank you, Dr. Chung, for getting back to me. We just love you so much over here at SpermCast. All right, everybody. You know the spiel by now. Patreon.com forward slash SpermCast. Oh, here's some news, you guys. While I was editing this, I posted on my Instagram page that I was $12 away from my Patreon goal. And since I posted that, we have gotten up to $850. You're off the hook. No, you're not. You're not off the hook. But we do have to celebrate. Woo! You got me to my goal. I'm not going to set another goal for a while, but like... Don't quit me right now, everybody. 850 is great, but if a bunch of you start dropping out, I'm going to be really sad. And if you're still interested in becoming a Patreon subscriber, you will have access to all kinds of good content and and you will be helping support this podcast. But I'm not going to I'm not going to harp on it anymore, at least for a couple weeks. Again, if you don't want to subscribe to the Patreon, you can Venmo Molly hyphen hockey. Whatever amount you like, anything helps, even if it's a dollar. You can also help the podcast by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. And by the way, how are you doing? If you need somebody to talk to, I'm still here and I'm still doing my fertility consultations and I'm still loving it. My clients are still loving it. If you're curious and just want some information, please email me at spermcast at gmail.com. Have general questions, email me at spermcast at gmail.com as well. Or leave me a voicemail or text me at 323-741-1818. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at SpermCast. Go to my website, spermcastpod.com, and that might be it. I love you all so much. Oh, happy two-year anniversary, SpermCast. Great job. It's been a great two years. We have been through a lot together. 19 potential donors chose two, alternated donors on four inseminations, got pregnant, had a miscarriage two months later, chose an anonymous sperm donor, did four IUIs, had one chemical pregnancy, did IVF, there were no normal embryos, had lots to ponder about mosaic embryos, did an embryo transfer, it failed, picked a new anonymous donor, thawed eight eggs and made four embryos, transferred two fresh, untested embryos, froze the other two, had a pregnancy of unknown location, had a painful miscarriage two months later, and now just did a home insemination with frozen sperm. But those are just events, not what I've learned from all of these events. And maybe what I've learned is way more important than what actually went down. I've gone through panic attacks and self-doubt. I've experienced loneliness and heartache, but I've never lost hope. I've discovered that I'm strong, that I'm not alone. I've learned to accept each step along the way. I've come to understand how difficult and painful this journey is for so many people, and I've made wonderful, wonderful friends. I've whittled away at what I really want out of life, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I want a family of my own by any means, no matter what that family looks like and how it came to be. Now i got to go downstairs and enjoy dinner with the family that I'm with right now, my mom and dad, while I still can. Oh, it's going to be so hard to leave.
Well, love ya. Bye, everybody. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by ACAST. 